This is Bedside, a podcast series on a mission to debunk sex. By integrating experts with real-world anecdotes, Bedside is here to give you insight into the contemporary sex ed we've been waiting for. I'm your host, Tatiana, and on today's episode, I sit down with Stephanie, Beyonce, and Sullivan, a group of New York City high schoolers, to chat about what it's like to be a teenager in 2019. This segment is part of a series and exploration into what our current sex landscape looks like for today's teenagers. On this episode, I sit down with a group of New York City high school girls to chat about what growing up and coming of age looks like for Gen Zs and what one of the country's most elite high schools is teaching our teenagers about sex. For legal purposes, we won't be mentioning the high school's name, but know that this is one of the most prestigious, specialized public schools in New York City. Schools like this admit based upon auditions and student scores in the specialized high school admissions testing. Needless to say, these teenagers are bright, talented, and eager to learn about the world around them. I'm seriously inspired by their insight, ruthless activism, and confidence to talk about the important issues around sex, the digital world, and their personal experiences with coming of age. So I'd love for you to all just introduce yourselves, just your name and your age. Um, Yeah. I'm Stephanie, and I'm 16 years old. I'm Sullivan, and I'm also 16 years old. And I'm Beyonce, and I'm 17 years old. I first got in touch with this group of girls through social media. They run a club page for students advocating reproductive rights and information for their peers. For Stephanie and many of her friends, they were shocked at how expensive contraceptives and pregnancy tests were and wanted to do something about it. I went to a pharmacy for a pregnancy test and it cost $20, but then I like started comparing prices and it's just $20 just for two sticks. You know what I mean? Like It was after this experience that Stephanie discovered she could get things like tampons, pads, condoms, and pregnancy tests from her school's nurse. She wanted to share this information with her classmates, ultimately inspiring her to gather a group together to put posters throughout the school. They wanted to spread the word to their peers as well as raise money for low-income neighborhoods in the city that struggle to afford this essential care. What you'll gather from this interview today is that the school wasn't too happy about this. In fact, these young women struggle with their school's failure to acknowledge the need for proper sex education and communication of available resources. Now, as a disclaimer, I'm not here to single out this one particular high school these teens attend. Rather, what Bedside is here to point out is the larger systemic issue we face in schools today with comprehensive sex education even for the quote-unquote best institutions. Call it a generational difference, or call it schools trying to play it safe in the competitive New York City landscape. Whatever it is, we know one thing's for sure, and it's that the sexual education curriculum is causing more harm than help to the most impressionable teens across the country. Throughout this conversation, it's clear these young women crave the vital sex education resources they deserve, to make better informed decisions about their bodies, values, and overall well-being. Coming from the generation right before these girls, I'm a cusp Gen Z millennial. I saw where the lack of comprehensive sex ed led me and my peers, and that is an extremely unconsensual sex landscape called college. (laughs) Okay, 
More on that later. But why have we left the health and well-being of students in the dust? Why is it that schools lack the ability to acknowledge teenagers as sexual beings? These girls want to know, and their understanding of the landscape and the worlds they live in pose important notions in this very interview. I ask the girls what the conversation around sex looks like at their school, and whether there's any sort of dialogue in a classroom setting. They proceed to tell me about their health class. I mean, you don't really take health until you're like, what, like it's just a one year of health, and it's not even like an everyday class. It's like you take it either twice or three times a week, and I haven't taken it, and it's, I'm about to be a senior, so now I have to take it my senior year. And from what I've heard from my friends, it's not very helpful. It's just like, it's just like, okay, you learn this, blah, blah, blah. We have a test. And then, all right, you can forget about it later. Like, it's just like, it's not important. I guess you could say in a lot, I know a lot of kids like don't attend that class because it's just like not useful at all. Yeah. And there's little to no sex ed in that class. I've heard um, from one of my friends taking it now, actually, that when they, went over because they have to technically cover sex ed at some point. Um, but the way her teacher went over it was he only spoke about abstinence and nothing else, which, you know, is not acceptable, especially in New York City. Like, I haven't taken it either, and I'm not really looking forward to taking it because I've heard it's just you learn about bones and muscles. And, like, yeah, that stuff is important, but... Other stuff like sex ed is is really important, and and that's not really offered. Have you taken sex ed, Stephanie? No, not yet. I'm okay, so okay, so none of you have. But it seems like you're tested on standard diagrams, and people just kind of want to pass. Would you say that there's a pressure to pass and get really good grades at your school for college? Extremely. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, like personally, like I feel the pressure a lot. I'm terrible at math and science, so, like, if I don't have, like, at least a 90, like, I feel like the most dumbest person, like, if I don't have a 90 overall average, I'm, like, okay, I'm literally dumb, like, like, I wish, like, it's just, like, everyone has high grades, and I'm, like, how do you do this? Because I'm, like, how, how am I gonna get into college with, like, an 85 or something? It's just, like, so dumb, because, like, I know that I probably can get into college, but I guess it's because the pressure that the school And schools put in general, like, they put so much pressure on grades. But in reality, like, what about my mental health? And what about, like, what if this is just not meant for me, you know? Yeah. And especially because we have to balance all of our academics at our high school along with our arts. The pressure increases that much more because there is competition on both sides. Do you feel like the administration is on your side? I think they're aware of the sexual activity in the school. Hey, can I can I share something? It's okay. So, um, in the school in the basement, we have uh like different rooms, practice rooms that are um meant to you know for piano. The girls proceed to tell me a story about the practice rooms for music located in the school's basement. A new rule has been instilled that an adult must be present for students to use the practice rooms. The school's dilemma was that teens were experimenting sexually in closed-off rooms. But I just wish they would also counteract that with awareness and stuff. You know, like, don't say you're going to get in trouble for not being an adult inside there. Just, I, I, they, they know what we do in there. It's just not 
You're not confronting it with like, the right. Stephanie and her friends wish that the administration would do something more than punish the teens for being alone without an adult. There's a desire in this small, maybe at first insignificant story that gives me direct insight into the minds of these young women. A craving for acknowledgement and transparency. Better yet, real resources and outlets for their coming of age. I want to take a step back here because I'm curious about what the like sex dialogue looks like for you guys besides at school. Like what is it like at home and with your friends? For me personally, I'm pretty open with my friends about that kind of stuff. And I have a pretty supportive environment amongst my friends. I think at school, it's just, I don't feel really supported by the administration at school, obviously, because of the lack of sex ed and the just kind of like taboo-ness around it. What would be so different if you did have a really good program for sex ed? Like, would you just feel more comfortable or what is it that you would feel? I mean, yeah, I feel like we'd be more comfortable about talking about it. And I'd feel like it would just be more of a conversation than rather than something to keep quiet. I mean, like amongst my friends, like we all talk about it. Like I'll tell, I'm just very open and I don't care. So I'm like, okay, yeah, like blah, blah, blah. Like I'll just talk about sex freely because it's like, it's normal to talk about it. Like we all do it and like we've all experienced something, you know? I'm lucky too in the sense that my mom made a point to educate me on like reproductive systems in in all bodies. So I know a lot about that and I learned pretty young, which I like that I that I got that opportunity from my mom. So yeah, I've always like, I've known about that, but when it came to actual sex and consent and the physical act of having sex, I was never really talked to about that. And I don't know, I, I never asked them about it either because it was always just kind of, there was so much stigma around it. So I honestly learned from like following activism accounts on social media. I mean, because... And, and the Planned Parenthood website. <laughs> Same. You guys are so heavily involved in the digital world. I am as well. You all basically grew up with the internet, right? I got Instagram in fifth grade, which is pretty young, but that's kind of when it was, when it first came out as an app. And I was like, oh, I had just gotten a phone and I was like, oh, let's just download this. I also got Instagram on fifth, when I was in fifth grade because everyone's like, oh my God, it's a cool thing. Like, let's get it. I'm like, okay, sure. Like, if I, I guess, like, I lied about having one too. I was like, yeah, I have one totally. Like, and then I was like, <laughs> I got my iPad and I was like, okay, I'm getting Instagram. And then I tried to hide it, which is very funny because then my parents saw it and they were like, why didn't you just tell us? <laughs> and I was just like, uh, because uh, I, I didn't know, I didn't get your permission. Like, what I remember, it gave girls more confidence at a really young age when social media came out it kind of like pressured everyone to look older and seem older and just become Mm -hmm. older and grow up faster which kind of didn't leave any room for all of us to like enjoy our childhood Mm -hmm. and it's kind of sad because like i remember like before social media like i would still like playing you know with like toys like somehow like i was like did the Wii come out back then? Was the that Wii? A, yeah. yeah. I was still playing that. I had that. a Wii. <laughs> I was still playing that. So, like, I remember when social media came out, I was like, okay, it's over. Like, me and the Wii are not friends anymore. <laughs> it was just like... I've got Instagram. <laughs> like, I was like, I have Instagram. Like, I'm cool now. So, it's just like, it kind of made us, like, grow up faster. And, like, I guess that's why I started wearing makeup at a young age, too. I, like, wanted to look like the girls I followed. And while the girls I followed were, like, 20 and, like, 19, and I'm like, 
I'm literally 12. What am I doing? (laughs) I asked the girls how social media has impacted the way that they understand or experience identity. I like following art pages and people who are Hispanic or Asian because I shared that kind of culture with them. So it kind of gave me confidence in the sense of like when people share the same attributes as you. But sometimes social media makes me feel like I'm appropriating my own culture in a sense. So there's some people that are like, you're not actually Asian or like if you're South Asian or not, if you're not East Asian, you're not actually Asian. You're just some, like, what are you if you're not, if you're not East Asian? And like, but yeah, social media negatively, it makes me feel like I'm appropriating my own culture because I don't know their language fluently or, um, you know, if I don't know some certain things, it makes me feel that I, yeah, in the middle or something. It sucks because I've experienced that. I've been called a Hispanic white girl, and I'm just like, why? I mean, like, I've come from a Hispanic background. Like, my parents immigrated to this country, and I know about my culture, and I embrace it. It wasn't, like, a thing that I was like, oh, like, I just want to be friends with, like, white people. Like, that's—it wasn't like that. It was just, like, it's. it was just who I became friends with because I never felt accepted by— the Hispanic group, I guess, even in middle school, like there was a Hispanic lunch table, there was a black lunch table, and then there was like a white lunch table, you know, like where all the kids like, get, they kind of just like all separated themselves, which is very interesting. Like, yeah, we would all come together sometimes, but it was just like, I never felt part of any of any group. So I kind of just bounced tables and I'm not, and it was very, because I was like, I don't really care. Like, we're all human, right? And so... I would just hang out with everyone, but all the Hispanics would be like, yeah, no, like, you're not, you're not really Hispanic because, like, you're not, like, in love with Spanish music. Like, you didn't even know this and this came out. And it's kind of still a thing I, like, go through today where it's just, like, I don't feel like I know enough of my culture. But at the same time, I've been in my home, like, my parents' home country of Ecuador, and it's just, like, I love it. Like, it's so beautiful, and it's, like, I've tried to embrace its culture, but it's kind of weird because it's, like, Sometimes I, I do ask myself that question, like, am I not embracing my culture enough? Like, what do I need? Like, it's weird. Do you feel like with social media, there's kind of like a performance to it? Yeah. I mean, like, you can see a lot of influencers, like, take the fact that they're Hispanic and then, like, kind of exploit it. They go with the stereotypes of what a Hispanic person, Hispanic or a Latino person is. And it kind of sucks because, like, we're all very different different you know we're not all like dark or tan like some of us are like white and like my mom personally like sometimes people like ask like are like you're you're hispanic but she's like white and like she has light green eyes like she's very like different and then they like i'm like tan and like i have brown eyes i have dark hair so it's like there's like this need to look a specific type of way and act a specific type of way and talk a specific type of way especially with being hispanic like a very popular one is like lily pones like she like appropriates Hispanic culture so much and it's just like it's so dumb like it's like not every Hispanic person is a jealous the way she like presents the culture is so bad and I'm just like that's not what we're about like yeah like we're spicy but like we're not like over the top like we're not like it's not like that like we're not all loud and we're not We're all different, and it's like she presents a stereotype, which sucks so much. You guys have such a, like, on-the-ground view of social media. Like, you understand every facet of it. When you look at it, are you like, this is real life? Is there kind of, like, another lens you look through where you're like, I understand that, like, this isn't real, or... 
definitely, I think I'll get caught in this mindset where I, because when you see other people's posts, it feels real to you. But when you really think about it, it's like, oh, that's what they thought was the best picture of them that they decided to post. I mean, in most cases, if someone posts a picture of themselves, it's usually what they thought they looked best in. It's not like what they look like all the time or, you know what I mean? So sometimes I do get caught in this sense though where I'm like oh I should look like this they look like that when in reality it's like this is just one snapshot of them it's not who they are. What helps me a lot to get rid of that feeling that you gotta be perfect for social media is that it's just an app you know what I mean like it's just an app on your phone you have other things to do other things to worry about and life is way bigger than that so like I just like tell myself to shut the app and then go do my homework or something. I mean personally like I try to keep the mindset that like social media is not real and like everyone edits their photos which is like it's not true but like it's mostly we all edit our photos like we all put a filter we all photoshop each other like on face too and like I try to think that like not everything is real and like you don't know what the person's going through like they might be smiling but they might just be going through things but uh, I like I do fall into this hole where it's like I look at these girls on social media and I'm like, I wish I looked like them. Like, I wish I was that skinny. Like, I wish I had, like, their hair. Like, they're so pretty. Like, their skin. Oh, my God. Like, I I wish I looked like them. And it's kind of funny because, like, there's this, like, concept of beauty that, like, beauty standards on social media. Like, and we also try to change that. And it's, like, kind of, like, okay, so we're pushing for, like, different types of beauty. But at the same time, it's, like, you have to look a specific type of way. And it kind of sucks at the same time, like back in the day like I was like I'm never posting a photo without makeup and like recently I did that and I was like okay I don't really care like whatever like and then I do have a spam account just because like I I made my account public like back in middle school so like I have a bunch of followers that it's just like I'd feel so weird just like going private because then I would have to take people off so like on my spam account I'm like I don't really care what I look like but then on my public one I'm just like "Eh, maybe I should care a little bit because I get this amount of likes and it's not that I, like, care about likes, but, like, you know, I kind of do. We all do. Yeah. So, like, it's just, like, it's weird because I want to make myself look a certain way on social media. But at the same time, I'm, like, I don't really care. When you say spam account, is that, like, what's the difference between that and a Finsta? So a Finsta, like a fake Instagram, is what your spam account is where you you only, it's really only, like, you let your close friends follow and you just post whatever you want and, like, rant or like post things you think are funny or something but it's weird that it's called a fake instagram and then like your other instagram is called your rinsta your real instagram but in reality it's the opposite because on your finsta you're like the most real that you are on social media and then on your on your rinsta (laughs) you're this like one version of yourself that you think is the best you know what i mean I kind of want to segue into like each of your personal experiences with coming of age. So I'm like really intrigued with this because I feel like there was a ton of curiosity for me. And like, it's so rad that you guys go to like Planned Parenthood. I think that for me, I was totally under the impression that like that was just the place you went if you needed an abortion. Like I did not realize that you could get legit information. So yeah, kudos. But do you guys feel like there's pressure to partake in sexual activity? Is there a status behind that? I mean, I used to be part of a friend group where it was like, oh, like there was this pressure where it's like, oh, if you haven't had sex, like it was like, like they would talk about it. They'd be like, yeah, no, no, no pressure. But at the same time, it was like there was pressure to like 
experience things. It's just like I've realized that like as I've grown up a little bit, I should do things on my own terms and not feel the pressure of that and not give into that because it's like we all take our time. You shouldn't have to do it while you're in high school. Like you could do it at whatever age. Like if you're 30 and you're losing your virginity, like that's pretty cool. Like that's amazing. And if you're 12 and you're losing your virginity, like that's your thing. Like, you know, like that's pretty cool too. It's just like this thing where it's like there shouldn't be any pressure, but yet there is pressure. And I think for girls, there's a little bit more pressure in a sense. I mean, I don't know how it is for guys, but like it's just like, oh, like you're behind, you know, like you haven't even kissed a boy and like you're not doing anything, you know? Yeah, but at the same time, if you like go too far, it's like oh no, you've gone too far, you know? Like you're a slut. Yeah. yeah. There's like... There's like this middle ground, but that middle ground doesn't even exist that you're supposed to be at. What does the idea of virginity mean to you? Does it hold any value? At least my grandma has always said this. And I've always heard other people like, your virginity is like a flower. Like you have to be careful who you give that flower to. And it's just like, yeah, I guess. But it puts so much pressure on it when it's like virginity. It's honestly a concept we kind of came up with. Yeah. And it's just like, okay just go have sex if you want to have sex like it's not that big of a deal for me at least what matters is the last person I will end up having sex with and like who knows like it's just like it's not that big of a deal for me at least like it's whatever yeah but even with that like from the beginning to end like not all people you have sex with are going to be people like you that means care about, yeah. yeah or like that or, like, sex that you enjoyed or something like that. Like, it's never going to be perfect. And when people glorify virginity and, like, put it on a pedestal, it puts so much pressure on having sex and how it has to be, like, this perfect thing. And in movies, they portray it that way, too. It's, like, this magical thing where the whole movie builds up to this one moment, <laughs> and that's not how it's, like, in, in real life. When it comes to pleasure, I... I mean, I think the first times I had sex, I didn't really know what I was doing. So I was kind of just like, I'm just doing this and it's happening and I don't really know like what's going on. <laughs> mm. But as I've like done it more and become like more experienced, I try to focus on myself more because I feel like that's what you should do. I wish that I had had that education prior to having sex for the first time because it's not that, like, I wasn't ready, but I just didn't know, like, what felt good and, like, what I was doing. I don't know. It was just, um, I don't really know how to put it into words, but. It was just, like, an unknown. Yeah, it was just an unknown. What's something that you wish you guys could have, like, adults or parents or teachers understand about sex and sexuality in this day and age? I wish adults understood that sex is going to be a thing that happens. And it's a normal thing and don't stop your kid from like doing it. Instead, educate your kid. I know in the future, like if I do choose to have kids, I will tell them that sex is okay. Just like my mother has done with me, like just let me know. But also just really quickly, but I, I feel like what happens where when you become a, a parent that that changes your mindset? Because I feel like our parents probably had similar feelings to us at our age where we were, you know, more experimental and like wanted freedom and wanted acceptance. I'm just wondering what changes that makes parents more, I don't know, less open to talking about sex with their kids. Because right now I feel like I would always want to be 
super accepting of my of my kids if I ever have kids and just like wanting to make them feel like comfortable and, and that it was okay to talk about any of that kind of stuff with me. I'm just wondering, did my parents ever feel that way when they were a teenager and what did something like change in them when they grew up? I love that question. Like, <laughs> I, I would love to ask that, you know? Yeah. Do you have any advice for like your peers or other teens about taking control of their own sexual narrative? Just be smart and educate yourself on what you're going to do and just make sure you're doing it with someone who's not going to pressure you into anything and be safe and be smart and know what you're doing. I would also want people to know that they can always be honest with themselves because they don't like we talked about how there's this sex race going on at school but they should be honest with themselves because like everyone has their own life and what like their own pace so they shouldn't feel pressured into doing certain things that they don't want to even when like like i want them to know that's normal for them to not enjoy masturbation it's normal to not watch porn or like or have a boyfriend or girlfriend it's normal to just be not be interested in these sexual things just to the kids at our school if anybody is listening um like take advantage of what of the opportunities that we have specifically like with our nurses offering these services condoms and pregnancy tests and um and like different types of condoms like the internal condom is also offered just take advantage of it even if you're not planning on having sex or any type of feelings that you're feeling just please educate yourself and like take advantage of the opportunities that our high school gives you oh and also condoms can expire and um (laughs) (laughs) and and you get and it's free at our school too so take advantage well thank you guys so much for chatting with me this is just been a blast. Oh, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Bedside Podcast. If you liked this episode and want to follow along with similar stories and interviews, be sure to check out our Instagram at The Bedside and thebedside.co online. Make sure to subscribe and of course, share with your friends. Thank you for listening. <laughs>